When I came home yesterday, Michelle looked up at me and she said, it looks like you are drunk. I said, yes, probably, probably. Um, you know, what I've still been in prayer over is um, God's still been working in that word of me from last week. And um, we were in prayer this week and discussing types of prophecy and what I and what I had I had asked God about was, okay, I see that there are times when there are prophecies and they just happen. And there are times when we get a prophecy and we have to, and it doesn't do anything on its own. We have to take it and produce it in ourself. And I said, I understand just in my spirit that that's, that that is just the way things are, but I don't really understand in my mind what what that is. And uh, <clears throat> so what God showed me is that there are, um, there's different types of prophecies in the Bible. There are some that when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it doesn't matter what we say or do. And God... As Dr. Clusey preached the first time he was here, I think God is a negotiator. Um, and so that was Dr. Paintsville, I apologize. God's a negotiator. And so we can ask God to modify that sometimes, but the prophecy is going to happen. It is, it's going to happen because God's purposed that for his own purposes. A prophet speaks it. It will happen. Because the prophet spoke it. And then there are other times when we receive a prophecy and nothing happens automatically with that. We have to pray over it. Um, as Pastor was teaching in Daniel, if he didn't pray over it, I don't know what. He may have never received his answer from God. So in Second Kings, Hezekiah chapter 20, God told Hezekiah, you're going to die. And Hezekiah prayed and God modified his prophecy because the prophet spoke it hezekiah was still going to die and god's judgments were still going to come against israel and hezekiah prayed until god gave him a few more years and then i saw where the prophet came back and said and hezekiah wanted to know was god going to still bless israel and he said for the next long as you live yes but when your kids come into power, Babylon's going to carry them away. And it's, it was funny to me that Hezekiah didn't keep praying because if I had just got God to change his mind about something, it seems like I could have got God to change his mind about that too. Prolonged it at least for my children's sake. But he said, no, as soon as your kids come into power, Babylon's coming. They're going to take them away. But as long as you're here, he said, and then he said, well, at least it's going to be fine while I'm here. Help us, Jesus. But God said, I'm going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham prayed, and he said, if there's just some righteous people there, will you, will you save it? And God said, yeah, if there's, if there's this many, if there's this many, if there's this many. And finally, Abraham just said, can you just save Lot and his family? God was going to destroy the whole city, but because Abraham prayed and he believed the prophecy that God spoke to him, he was able to save Lot. He was able to change God's mind enough that Lot wasn't destroyed in it. But God was still going to do what he was going to do. In 2 Kings 7, 
verse 3. You know, and what I see is that we don't even have to have faith for these kind of prophecies to happen. But if we believe the prophet, we will prosper out of it. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, starting there, Elisha was, was prophesying over um, the city. It was besieged. They were starving to death. And he said, listen to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of flour will cost only one piece of silver and ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. And the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, he scoffed at him and said, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And Elisha replied, you're going to see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. So if he had believed the prophecy, if he had believed the prophet, he would have prospered out of it. But it didn't change the fact, if he didn't believe, that barley was still going to be sold for a, for a piece of silver the next day. It was going to happen. The book of Revelations, it's set in stone. And I was praying over it, and God showed me that, you know, even if, even if the gospel of the kingdom is spread throughout the whole world, then we reach the man who's going to become the Antichrist, and he accepts Jesus, and he gets delivered from all whatever witchcraft is on him that will make him become that, another one's going to rise up. Because God said, this is what's going to happen in the end times. There's, we, can mod- we can pray, and we can get our family saved out of it. And we can pray, and we can make things better for us because we believe prophecy. But it's going to happen. And then there are other things that what I was reading, and I wanted to call them a prophetic promise. It's a prophecy, but whether it's stated explicitly or it's, it's just implied, there is some contingency to it. It's if you do this, you're going to have it. The prophet of God says, God has this for you. This is his plan for your life. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to have babies. You're going to do this, this, and this. God said it's coming for you. Now, I can say no to that because that's a prophecy to me. I can say, no, I don't want it. I can say, I don't, I don't have faith. I don't want to believe it. Or I can just say, I don't want to pray that in for myself. And then I won't have it. In Second Chronicles seven fourteen, God said, if my people who are called by my name will pray and humble themselves and seek my face, then I will hear their land, their, heal their land. There was a contingency. If you pray and you pull this in for yourself, I'm going to do it. In Deuteronomy 25, there's a long list of blessings that come on the nation of Israel. But Israel did not automatically get those blessings. God, all, all God wanted to do was bless Israel. All he wanted to do was bless them, pour out blessing on them, make them the wealthiest, greatest, wisest, most magnificent, splendorous, fantastic nation in the whole world. But if they didn't do what he said do, which was just keep my commandments and hide them in your heart, then what happened? Babylon came and took him away. The Medes and the Persians came and took over. King Darius came and took him over. Everybody was taking over Israel at one time after another, God had to raise up a prophet. He had to raise up a judge. He had to raise up somebody to come back and be the voice of God and give people an opportunity to hear a prophet again so they could say, am I going to believe the voice of the prophet and take the promise of God for me, or am I going to stay in captivity and bondage? And that is our choice today. We read it last week. God God said in, in 3 John, I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. God said, if you make your soul prosper through prayer, through fasting, I'm going to make you prosper and be in health as well. But we have to join up both, both sides of that. I've got to join my natural up if I want it to be a, 
and health. I can't live my natural life however I want to. Amen? And here's, here was really one of the big eye-opening things for me. <clears throat> and that is when Israel was taking its promised land. <clears throat> and pastors, pastors said a prayer, and it, and it just opened my eyes. Um, she said, when God told Abraham, Israel's going to be in bondage for 400-something years, Nobody fasted and prayed over that. Abraham just said, okay, and nobody fasted and prayed. And so they were in bondage for that long. But let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, and we can see how even then God did not make the prophecy automatic. He says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go from sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of my people Israel out of Egypt. So God said, the cry of my people has reached me. So God had to let them get to a point where they had they were going to cry out to God. Even though, even though the time that God prophesied was fulfilled. If the people didn't cry out, God didn't have a problem modifying that prophecy another time and saying, this generation, you can stay in Egypt. You're not crying out to me. You don't want me bad enough. But because they cried out to God, God moved and set them free. And it was because they cried out to him. They could have it for themselves. God was always going to take Israel out. Nothing could have changed that. But if I believed his prophets, if that generation that believed his prophet and, and the prophecies, and they begin to cry out to God and say, God, oh, we know that you want to come set us free. We know the time is now for you to set us free. Let it be me. Let it be my generation. Don't let it come in the future. I want it now. I want it. I want to be a partaker of it. Moses came around. He said, put the, put the blood on the doorpost. If they didn't believe the prophet, they did not prosper that night. They, their kids died that night if they did not believe the prophet. All they had to do, though, because God was going to do it, they could all be saved when they cried out to God because of the bondage. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 26, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long am I going to bear with this evil congregation. You know, they, they had already, they've been free. They've gone out in the wilderness. God's trying to take them in to their promised land. They've already seen God do everything. All the same generation. They saw, saw God deliver them out of Egypt. Then God said, how long am I going to bear with this evil congregation who murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and up, who have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb. And God said a couple verses earlier that Caleb had a different spirit on him. So Caleb got to enter into his promised land because he followed God fully, and he had a different spirit. So Caleb got to have it, but all the rest of them, God said, you know what? I did promise you something. 
I did promise you a land flowing with milk and honey. I did promise you a wonderful promised land. I promise you prosperity. I promise to always take care of you. But, but you're not doing what I told you to do. You're murmuring. You're complaining against me. You're ungrateful. I've given you one chance after another. My God, they had already made Abraham so angry. He got left out of the promise. God was long-suffering with them, but at a point he said, you know, no, I'm not doing it for you anymore. I'm sick of you. But I'm going to get, but because I said it, I said, I said, I'm going to deliver Israel. I didn't say I'm going to deliver Nahab and whoever, I mean, all these other folks down here. I said, I'm delivering Israel. God said, I'm taking this church to the nations. God said that we're going to have millionaires in this church. God said prosperity's coming. God said that healings and signs, wonders, miracles are coming. Now, I can take that prophecy, I can believe the prophet, and I can prosper in that promised land that God has promised us. But if I don't, I'm not going to have it. I'll watch everybody else going on ahead of me. I'll watch them all go. And I'm going to sit right here. If I don't do what God said to do, and that is to pray, pull down the strongholds, pray and war with my angel who's bringing my promise to me, Jesus. So it wasn't automatic just because God promised, just because God had already begun them on the journey to get to the promised land. It still wasn't automatic. They had to keep and stay submitted to God the whole way. You know, when I, I told the story a few times, I lost my job last September. I was in in prayer and God showed me this is going to happen. Michelle tried to say, no, that's probably not what it is. I said, no, I'm going to get fired on Friday. I know I'm, I know I'm going to. And so I fasted and prayed and I had a word from God. Now, I could have tried to do something else besides what God said, but God spoke to me. He said, this is very, very important that you do everything I tell you to do, nothing more, nothing less right now. Now, I know that it's always God's plan to bless me. I know that God wants to do good things for me. I know God's going to take care of me, but how well I'm taken care of really depended on how submitted I was to the voice of God. Because if God's telling me to do something and I don't do it, I'm not under his perfect will. So I could not receive a blessing. And I remember, I remember I started to go apply for things online. Because that's what you do when you don't have a job, right? You apply for things online. Apply for jobs all over. And God convicted me immediately and he said, no. Do not go looking for a job. Do not. And I said, okay. And so my phone began to ring of people. Ten days my phone rang of people calling, wanting me to do work. And, and, and then along the way, as negotiations happen, you know, because people want, they, you got to negotiate everything. For days, weeks, we got to negotiate everything. As negotiations happen, I remember I was driving down the road and I heard, pull off and pray over this job, this man you're talking to right here, pull off and pray. I pulled off the road, I prayed, until I felt there was a breakthrough in that. 20 minutes later, my phone rang, and he called me back, and he said, you know, I told you we was going to pay you this much, but I'm going to pay you $20 more per hour than what I originally told you. Now, I, I probably would have still had the job, but isn't it better to have the job making $20 more an hour 
than what I would have already had. So it's important that we hear. Pastor, uh, um, we were sharing in Sunday school about how uh, we were in Little Rock, and Pastor heard the Holy Ghost that said to text me and ask me a question, and I heard the Holy Ghost while I was driving that said, don't use Siri, don't get Michelle to text, pull off the side of the road and text back. It just took five minutes, but, in, but if I had been five minutes earlier, there was a, a major wreck. I actually saw it as we were approaching it. There was a mushroom cloud of black smoke, the most smoke I've ever seen from a wreck ever in my entire life. Five cars piled up engulfed in flames. It was hor- horrendous, horrendous. And that's exactly where we would have been if I just sat in, and I didn't, you know, the Holy Ghost didn't come on me while I'm driving. I just thought, okay, I need to pull over. So I listened to the voice of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have to hear him. And when we listen to that prophetic voice, then we can have the promises of God. But if we don't listen to God, just like Israel, God's plan is going to be fulfilled here because he said it. But God's plan may not be fulfilled in you if you don't do it, if you don't do what God's telling you to do, if you hold back, if you don't. Maybe you get a little bit because you obey a little bit. But you don't have everything. You don't have all the promises of God unless you obey God. I saw Brother Johnny when you um, you got that word and you came up and you grabbed the offering and the presence of God was here. But well, I saw you after you went back and then you brought an offering back over here. And God spoke to me. He said, that was, that was the one. That was the last little straw that broke the camel's back for you. Because he obeyed the Holy Ghost. He could have been done and, and, you know, had got prayed over, had his blessing and felt wonderful. And, but because he obeyed that, it'll come very quickly now. Amen. Why? And I just imagined Israel, you know, they, they went, they looked at what God promised them and they said, and why didn't they go in? They, they didn't have enough great faith. They, they were afraid. Whatever reasons, I, I read that they, when they heard that there were giants living in the land and there were already people in their promised land, that they just cried and wept and were sad. Why are we okay with the enemy having our promised land? That's my promised land. That is my promised land. It doesn't belong to the enemy. And you know what? It doesn't belong to somebody else in here if it's mine. Now, if I don't take it, God's going to give it to somebody else. But it's mine. I want my promised land. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. It is mine. But if I don't go get it in prayer, if I don't, <laughs> if I don't, if I don't go get it in prayer, if I don't help my angel war against those principalities that's keeping my promises away from me, then I'm not going to have it. Somebody else who's willing to pay the price will have it, but I won't have it. Thank God that the next generation of Israel is willing to pay the price. But one thing that I know for certain is that God already pushed it back 40 years. If the next generation rose up and they were too afraid to take the promised land too, he'd have pushed it back again. He's not going to just do something automatic for anybody like that. He was gonna, Israel was always going to have the promised land, but he could have waited a thousand years if he wanted to. 
until somebody, some generation, some group of people are willing to stand up and say, we can take the promised land, not because we're great and wonderful and magnificent people, but because God said, the prophet said, the promise of God is, and I can go have it. I can have it. I, I have a friend, he's been here a couple times, y'all, uh, some of y'all may have met him, he, uh, he lived in New York. His parents still live in New York. I've, I've met his parents. They're wonderful, lovely people. Um, I, love, I love them. They, uh, years ago, it's 10 years ago now, they had, they had a horrendous series of just attacks against their family. They ended up homeless, functionally. Um, they lived in a hotel room for just over two years uh, because she prayed and God gave her a word that um, of what he was going to do. He was going to deliver him out of it. He was going to restore everything the devil had stolen. And so she received that word, and she sat in the hotel room for two and a half years until she got sick of sitting in the hotel room. And then she said, well, maybe God doesn't mind if we just wait in an apartment. But you know that it's been 10 years, and God still hasn't given her the promises. Now, I called my friend, and I said, I have a word from God for you, and I had to tell it to him over a series of about three years, but he eventually went ahead on, and I don't know that he's in the will of, total will of God right now, but I know he's moving towards it. And, but they're still sitting there waiting on God to drop something in their lap. They're, one, they're godly people. They're holy. They've just not taken their promised land that God promised them. They don't, they don't sin, but they're just sitting so, how do we take our promised land? Is we pray. We pray, first of all. We make war over. Israel had to go in. They didn't just get to move in. They had to go take their promised land back from the enemy that was already there. They made a war, and then they listened to God. When God said, okay, now this one, you're only going to take 300 people to this one. On this one, over here, um, you're going to do this, but you need to burn everything there. Don't take any gold. Don't take any sheep. Don't take anything back. One guy in the whole camp took something, and they lost to the tiniest city in all of the promised land because they didn't obey every little thing. Pastor's been teaching me how when you're, when you're in that prophetic, every little thing, every, every little thing matters. Every little thing. And so that one man ruined, killed a whole bunch of Israelites because they lost in the battle. Then he said, this time you're not going to go in and fight. This time you're going to march around the walls for seven days. God had them do crazy stuff. But... They listened to God every step of the way. He had raised up a people who are ready to hear him and obey him without question. Don't you know that them people wanted to murmur and complain when they were walking around that wall seven days? They wanted to do it, but they had seen what had already happened to people who murmured and complained. And they said, we believe the prophecy of God. And so we pray, and then we go, take it. If God's promises you're going to have a baby you got to go make a baby. You don't have a baby being separate. So you have, to, you have to do something with the promise of God. If God said, I'm going to bless you financially, I'm going to make you prosper, then we give. We, we act on the promises of God. Amen? Jesus. We have to hear God. And this is the last thing I want to say. Um, God spoke three words to me as I was in prayer yesterday, and it was positioning, position, and then positioned. And if you don't mind, when in just a minute, Sister Dana, um, 
that song, Come One, Come All, was what I was, it was what was, you know that song? That was Elder Robert's song, wasn't it? Did he write that song? Yes. That was, I, that was in my, my spirit all day yesterday. Um, as, as God was speaking this to me. And it was, um, and what God said was, p- God is positioning us to receive the fulfillment of prophetic words. To do that, we have to hear his voice. We have to seek. You know, what God showed me this week in prayer was that we don't have any lack of faith. We don't have any lack of anointing. We don't have any lack of any godly gifts in this ministry. The missing piece is we have to hear the voice of God in order to act in that faith, anointing, and gifts. And so how do we hear him? It's through intimacy is through seeking after God and having a relationship and knowing his voice. In John 10, 27, God said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The voice of another they will not hear. We don't lack anything except hearing God and obeying him. And then we have all the faith, all the anointing. We got everything we need right here. God said he's positioning us. If you've received, you have to receive the word of prophecy, believe it, seek God for it, and then listen to him as he positions you. It's a simple thing, but I was positioned on the side of the road in Little Rock, and God saved my life because I allowed God to position me and my wife's life. Position. When we're in position, then we hear God, we're in position, and the promises of God are open to us, but only in position. If I hadn't have heard God to stop and pray... When I was praying over my job, if I had tried to go take things into my own hands and do something God didn't tell me to do and looking for a job, I would not have been in the position to to get the blessings of God. So when we're in position, we hear him. And then finally, it was positioned. When we have received from God, God gives us a position. And that position is, I'm now, now that I've received from him, I now carry an anointing to give to others what God has given to me. I can teach somebody else how to get a financial breakthrough when God's broken through in my life. I can teach somebody else how to have a breakthrough over addiction when God's broken through in my life. I, when I'm positioned, I'm being used by God. It's not just to have a blessing. The point is never to just for me to be blessed. The point is that I become a minister to other people.